You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hi, this is Jamie. And this is Danielle. And welcome to the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast, Episode 8. Jamie, I am super excited about today's episode because it's our first interview. Yeah! <laughs> we decided for everyone who's listening, typically when we do an interview, it's just going to be one of us who will be doing the interviewing. That way, there's not that much jersey in your ears at the same time. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm a little nervous because our first interview is just me. I've been on other podcasts, but it still felt weird to be on the other side as the one as the one asking the questions. I that's so funny you say that. This past weekend, um, I spoke on a panel at FinCon, and that's to- that was totally the same. It was it was the weirdest thing because I led a panel at Type A East, and then being on the panel, it was completely different to have to ask the questions and sort of guide the conversation versus somebody just asking me questions and me just spitting out a whole bunch of information. It's so much easier to just spit out all the information. Mm -hmm. Then again, I agree. I think we've already talked about how much we like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So even though interviewing still feels a little bit new, we're really excited to tell you about our episode today. We're going to be doing a four-part series on marketing tools for influencers. And these are the four tools that we think every influencer needs to have in their toolbox, so to speak. The first tool that we're going to be talking about, which is one of the most important tools we think all influencers need, is a great pitch. Pitch is everything. It's how you get your foot in the door. It's how people notice you. It's the way that you distinguish yourself from everybody else who's pitching the same brands and agencies and the people who have the money. So we think that pitches are a great place to start. When we considered guests for a pitching episode, there's one person who came to mind, and that's Jenny Melrose, who created the course Pitch Perfect Pro. Jenny is a former reading specialist who retired from her teaching career when her blogging income far exceeded her salary. Through her unique pitching system, her lifestyle blog, which is called The Melrose Family, became regularly sought out by nationally recognized brands. Now, she's made it her mission to use her teaching skills and extensive experience as a successful influencer to share her strategies with thousands of other entrepreneurs at JennyMelrose.com. I think we need to get her some kind of button that says the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast first guest. Do you think Jenny would wear that? I think she probably would. 
Or she'd just humor me and be like, sure, Danielle, I'll wear it. (laughs) A sticker, a notebook. We love paper, right? Paper, everything you just said is things that I love. Um, Paper, stickers, medals. (laughs) trophies right so oh we'll get her a trophy I love that idea I love it we are so excited I cannot wait to hear this because like Danielle said I was not on this interview so I am very excited to listen to it but before we hear from Jenny here is a quick word from our sponsor sponsor is Pitch Perfect Pro. As you'll hear in this interview with Jenny, she is an expert in leveraging your strengths to create pitches that will help you increase your profits from sponsored content. In Pitch Perfect Pro, you'll learn Jenny's system for creating pitches that get noticed. She tells you everything you need from how to find who to pitch, to what to say, to how to turn brands into repeat clients. The content of this course is amazing. We are such big believers in Pitch Perfect Pro and Jenny's system that we became affiliates. You can learn more about Pitch Perfect Pro at businessease.com slash pitchperfectpro. I'm here with Jenny Melrose. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Danielle. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. We are so excited that you are here. This is the kickoff for a month of must-have marketing tools for influencers for us. When we think of pitching, you're the person who comes to mind when we want to show people the importance of pitching and a great success story. So today, we want to dive into a little bit about your background and the type of things that you teach about pitching because I think you have such a cool story when it comes to that. So let's kind of start from the beginning. You're a former teacher. How'd you get into blogging? I started blogging after I had my first daughter, who is now turning eight. So I've been in the blogging world for quite some time at this point. But I kind of lost myself as a new mother. I wasn't exactly happy in the teaching setting that I was in. I was an inner city school district teacher where my caseload was over 250 kids that were all reading probably two grade levels below. So I would walk into the classroom and feel like I didn't have a chance to succeed. It was definitely kind of beating me down. And I needed an outlet. I needed something else so that I could get my creative side out there and kind of share what was going on. And the Melrose family just kind of came about. (laughs) That's amazing. That sounds like such a stressful job to be in. And I can definitely see where blogging would be an outlet there. Tell us a little bit about how the Melrose family went from that creative outlet over to a business for you. Um, It probably took, I would probably say about six months or so until I got pulled into the blogging world, I feel as if. I found so many other bloggers that were out there. There was a tons of resources, even back then. And when I say back then, I'm talking seven years ago. Like that's probably 20 years or something in online world space. But for me, I got pulled into it and started seeing other women that were creating businesses for themselves and they were finding ways to monetize. I got a little bit clearer on what I wanted the Melrose family to be. So it went from kind of a lifestyle that was all over the place, what we did over the weekend, not really having a point and a reason for creating content, just I needed an outlet to becoming very targeted where I created quick and easy recipes for busy parents. Um, And it was very in line with what I needed it to be for myself and for 
to grow an audience that knew what they were coming to me for. So once we started down that journey, it just, I did, read as much as I possibly could to understand um, social media. I mean, when I started, Pinterest was starting at the same time. So I say that I grew up with Pinterest. I just kind of do. Do you find that Pinterest is a really good source for you? Is that one of your big places where you get traffic? It definitely was, especially in the early days of Pinterest, where if someone pinned something that had a lot of followers, there were hundreds of people on your site at a time. With the new smart feed, it's kind of changed the way that you have to do things. And I think that happens with every form of social media. And Being able to overcome those hurdles and understand how social media works, I think was a big part of the success because I was willing to figure out what was working, what wasn't working, and just continue to grow with it. What would you say are the main ways that you were able to grow your blog at the Melrose family? I highly, highly recommend finding people that are like yourself and within a niche and having that support. I think for me in the beginning, I needed a tribe of people around me who were going through the same things that I was going through and we could bounce ideas off of each other. Back then when social you use social media, like I said, with Pinterest, it brought traffic almost immediately to your site. So we would cross promote each other and be able to have that traffic. Now that the algorithm changes have kind of affected that I still use those have those tribes of people where I'm able to ask questions and what's working for you and what's not I definitely feel that that made a huge difference in my business and the whole motto of building each other up rather than tearing each other down was a huge part of my growth I love that and I think that that's so important because a lot of people really treat the space as a competitive area and We love the idea of collaboration because as, gosh, this is crazy. This makes me sound nutty, but it's part of a meditation that I do. It's a guided meditation and they say there's enough for everyone. And I love that notion. Tell us a little bit about as your blog grew, how did you start to monetize? What did those streams of income look like for you? I, in the beginning, had ads and I did a little bit of affiliate marketing. Um, But of course, again, ads are all about page views. And in the beginning, I chased the page views. And then as algorithm changes, I saw that there was a better way to monetize by working with brands on sponsored content. They were more concerned with my audience than my page views. And people say to me, well, audience and page views are the same thing. No, they're not. You have to know. Yes, it's a huge difference. And I think once people start to understand that, that is where they make that kind of aha moment of this is a business because I'm talking to a very targeted audience and I'm going to provide them with a service or with something that they need. And once you make that shift in your mindset and also just in your business in general, it opened up doors for me. Um, Sponsored content replaced a New York teaching salary because I work with brands and I don't just create content once and it's the end of the relationship. I create content multiple times for brands because they see that my audience is interested in what I have to say because I authentically engage with them and they can see that. And when that happens, that's when you're an influencer, not when you have, you know, 5 million Facebook fans, but no one's talking to you. You have to actually be 
engaged with that audience. I love that. And I think it's so important. Now, one thing that you said that I think a lot of people will be interested in is the idea that you were able to take sponsored content and grow that to replace your teaching salary. How long did that journey look like? I had always used networks probably from the very beginning. I think my first sponsored post, I was paid $25 and it was to do something for glasses. It was ridiculous. It wasn't in line with my audience and I learned from it. When I finally figured out that there was a better way that I could reach out to the brands that I know, use, and love, that's where the shift happened. And that probably happened about two years ago. I went through probably a three-month trial period of really honing in on reaching out to the brands. What did I need to say in that initial pitch to get them to reply back to me? What were they looking for from me? And then once that relationship developed, how could I over-deliver so that they wanted to routinely work with me rather than it be a one-and-done kind of relationship where you often have when you go through networks. When you talk about that idea of over-delivering, what is it that you think you do for your clients that has made the sponsored content work so well for you? There's a, I feel like there's a multitude of things, but I think the biggest thing that stands out is for most people when they hear me talking about sponsored content is that my sponsored content is my most popular content. And it's because I make sure that it fits my audience. I make sure that that product is going to make sense. One of the stories that I always tell is I was working with Glad Trash Bags and they wanted me to do this four day challenge of keeping the garbage in their my house for four days and how it would still smell wonderful after four days. And I create quick and easy recipes and projects. How in the world am I gonna talk about four days of garbage sitting in my house when I'm a family of four? Like It's just ridiculous to think about. And at first I thought I was going to have to walk away from it, kind of sat back and said, okay, how can we make this work? What would my audience want? Well, my audience at that time, it was spring. They wanted beautiful colors. They wanted healthier recipes. Um, so I went back to Glad and said, listen, I can make this work if you're willing to let me do a Caribbean fish tacos as the post. And they kind of came back and were like, what? And I said, <laughs> I'm going to tell a story about how I made these Caribbean fish tacos. It's going to be beautiful. The pictures will be gorgeous. The recipe is going to be great. And I'm going to tell a story about how we made the Caribbean fish tacos on a Thursday, left for Friday for a long weekend, came back and had, before we had left, my youngest daughter hadn't eaten all of her tacos and it landed in the garbage. Four days later, we come back and the house doesn't smell like fish. And they kind of sat back and thought about it. Um, There was some hesitation. I'm going to be honest. I needed to explain to them that it wasn't about driving traffic necessarily to GLAD. It was about having their target market at a grocery store and choosing GLAD trash bags over another brand because they had heard me talk about GLAD trash bags in this story. They let me run with it. The post went crazy on Pinterest because the photo was gorgeous. It was just a beautiful recipe to be able to take pictures of. And since then, a year later, they came back and bought the rights to the photos from me. That's amazing. Do you think that one thing that we hear from influencers is they feel like they are in a box when it comes to their sponsored content? Do you encourage influencers to make these pitches to tell on how they want to tell their story? Yes. So part of what I teach is that you create this initial pitch that 
the reason you're going to stand out is because you're going to show how you're unique, how you have certain strengths that other influencers may not have. And it's not something that you can normally show when you apply within a network with simple, you know, couple questions. In an initial pitch, you can say how if you're a homeschooling mom of eight kids, how that makes you the perfect person for whatever the product might be or how it makes you unique because you're a Michelin trained train tr- chef and you do weekly live broadcasts. That's something that can make you stand out that they're going to want to eat up and they're going to want to work with you because of it. And everyone listening is probably rolling their eyes saying, well, I'm not a Michelin trained chef. I don't have eight kids. You have something unique about you. Something that's a strength. When you, I, I, I want to get into that a little bit because I think that some people really do say, eh, I'm just this. I'm just, you know, fill in the blank. What type of strengths do you think are really that stand out? If you don't have, let's say you're not a registered dietitian, you're not certified in some area, what types of things do you think that brands find the most compelling in a pitch? I teach that you sit down and you actually write down everything about yourself, whether it's that you played basketball in college and you're only 5'2", <laughs> necessary, or if it is that you're a mom that has eight kids, all of the, the characteristics that make you who you are comes across in your stories and your content. And those things do make you unique. You don't have to have a Facebook page that has 5 million followers. It can be that you talk about your family and your family maybe is like a mixed race family and you're able to talk about that. Brands are going to want to work with people that have a unique perspective. And the only thing you have to be able to do is to figure out what that is. And you, we do. We each have our own. Um, we've all gone through probably trials and tribulations. And that t- that's part of our story and part of the story that we tell through our content. Um, and it doesn't have to just be your expertise. It can also be your, like I said, life experiences. For me, a lot of times I will talk about the fact that I was a reading specialist in inner city school districts. So if I'm working with a product that is in line with parenting things, that makes me unique. There's probably not a ton of people that can say that that's what they did for nine years while raising two girls. And I have that that education where I can talk about you know, the, the things that you need in order to succeed in reading it and things of that nature. One of the things that you've talked about, and I'm curious from your perspective, we know that a lot of folks start out working with networks and Jamie and I have that network background. So Networks are near and dear to my heart. I think that they are an amazing place for people to start with. Do you think that pitching to work direct with brand is something that most of the time naturally progresses from that work with networks? I think so, yes, because I think a lot of times that is a very safe place for people, especially for you know bloggers and influencers to start because it provides them with a framework. It lets them know um, what the campaign goals are. They have someone to ask questions to. But that's not to say that just because you've only been in this for six months that you can't reach out to a brand yourself. I still, to this day, use networks. There are very there are specific networks that I'm very comfortable with that will reach out to me and say, hey, listen, we have this campaign. We think you're a perfect fit for it. And I will gladly work for them because I know they're going to take care of me and make let me have my voice in my content. Networks, I do think are an option. I also think, though, that you should be adding in the piece of pitching the brands that you know, use and love. I think that what 
happens is I think a lot of people are afraid. And whether that's a mindset thing where they're, they don't want to hear the word no, and they think that that means that they're not doing something right, whatever that fear is based in, I think that we hear that a lot. Why do you think people are so afraid to start reaching out? They don't know first who to reach out to. And then second, what to say. You ask anyone and they'll say to you, well, who am I supposed to reach out to in the first place? Am I doing it on Twitter? Am I trying to find an email address? Am I just randomly putting up a Facebook post? Like, what do I do? And then when it comes to the initial pitch, most people don't know how to make themselves stand out. So they feel like they're asking for something. And I think as as women, we have a tendency to not want to put ourselves out there, to not sell And you have to sell yourself. You have to be able to show what makes you unique and your strengths. If they don't have a framework for how to do that, it can be difficult for sure. So two follow-up questions there. First is that idea of who do I contact? Do you have a quick tip that you can give? And I know, and we'll talk about your course in a couple of minutes, but do you have one quick tip where you can say, try here first? Yes. So the first place you should always try is you're looking for an email address. You do not want to try to pitch someone over Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. So you're looking for that email address. And a lot of times on if you go to the brand's website, they'll have a menu bar either at the top, sometimes it's in the footer, but you're looking for something that says press releases or media. And normally on a press release where they're talking about a new product, it's going to have the person in on their team that's going to be working with bloggers and it will have their email address below their name on that press release. Oh, perfect. That's really, that's a great tip that I hope a lot of people listen to. And remember, one thing that we always say is even if that first contact isn't the right one, make sure you're asking for them to forward you to whichever person in their company may be the decision maker because that's the key. Now, the next question that I have is, about the pitch itself. You mentioned emphasizing your strengths. What other elements do you think a great pitch should contain? It's going to, so you're going to introduce yourself, but when you are doing that, you want to make sure that you're showing how your audience is viable to that company. What is it about that company that your audience is going to love? So you have to do your research. You have to know what their mission statement is or what they're talking about on Twitter or Facebook. What products are they promoting? The more information that you can show that you know about that company, the better off your initial pitch is going to be because you're going to talk to them about, I love this product and that product that you're saying that you love and would love to create something for should be the product that was just released in a press release that they're going to be promoting in the next month or two. So you always want to make sure that you are showing them how your audience is the perfect fit for the brand. Yes, you're kind of introducing yourself, but it always goes back to the brand. You are not the person that you should not be the entire focus of the initial pitch. You also want to make sure that you have a call to action. And I think this is where people trip up because they feel like, well, what do I say? How do I get them to reply? I'd love to work with you. Yes, but you need to be telling them, I'd love to work with you and I'd love to send you my media kit and a proposal for your review. That is your call to action, media kit and a proposal for a review. And I do not recommend sending the media kit in that initial pitch just because you want to give them something where they're intrigued. They don't have all the information. So they're going to say to you, yep, send along your mini kit. And that's where you also send them a proposal to show them what you can do for them. One thing I I want to ask you is a lot of folks get concerned about getting too specific 
when they're pitching because, and I see this a lot, they're concerned that people are going to steal their ideas. There's just somewhat of a protective in the snare. And of course, the lawyer in me understands that we want to protect that. However, do you have any, how specific do you recommend people get with how they want to position that product within their content? I would state that you want to go seasonally. So you want to still stay broad. I do recommend staying broad. And it is one because of the whole idea of protecting their content. But the other reason is if they're not thinking about wanting you to create that um, grandmother's award-winning apple pie with the cinnamon crust, that's the quickest way for them not to answer you and to say no. So if you're too specific about what you're going to do, they're not going to get back to you. So for something like, let's say a flower company like Bob's Red Mill I wanted to work with, I would pitch them three months in advance. You're not pitching for Christmas. You're looking at New Year's at this point for um, recording this in November, just about it's October, not quite November. <laughs> it's getting there. Your launch is close. You don't need to know dates in your head anymore. <laughs> so because of that, you're going to pitch for so probably something healthy and you're going to be talking about that broadly. So you would say something to the effect of, I'd love to create a quick and easy for me, at least quick and easy, healthy recipe. And you may say a healthy dessert, or you might say like a healthy meal, but I wouldn't get into the specifics of a casserole that has a meat and whatever else. You want to keep it somewhat broad so that they can say, okay, yeah, dessert with flour, healthy. Yeah, that works. Perfect. And if it was seasonally different, so let's say you're talking about January and you're looking for the spring or even maybe Easter, you can stick within the seasons when you're pitching. That is such a great tip. Now, before we wrap up, we I've referenced your course a couple of times, and I know that it's, for those of you who are listening in real time, I know that you're getting ready to launch it. It's called Pitch Perfect Pro. Can you tell us a little bit more about the course and what people learn from you? Absolutely. The course is my pride and joy <laughs> because it was my blood, sweat, and tears that went into figuring out the very specific steps that you need to take from being able to find that email address to then send the initial pitch to then creating the content and following up with them so that you are making sure that you are over delivering for them so that you can long land long-term contracts. Um, the entire course is broken into seven different modules. Everything is video. Every little thing you could possibly think of that you may need is there. I am a former teacher, like we said in the beginning, and because of that, I'm very strategic in the way that I teach. You start at A, you do not skip to Y, you have to go A, B, C, D, and go all the way through to get to your steps. And I go through and make sure that you have the answers that you need to have. It also comes with an exclusive Facebook group where I am constantly in there answering questions so that if you get stuck on something that maybe you're a vegan food blogger and you don't know exactly how this is going to fit into your initial pitch or creating content consistently for them, you might ask that question and I'm in the group within 24 hours to answer it. Normally within 24 minutes, but. <laughs> you are very fast. <laughs> that is amazing. We are so excited about Jenny's course. And Jenny is somebody that I have had the pleasure of knowing and getting to know this year. And we are we love it so much. We did decide to become an affiliate for it because we only act as affiliates for those products that we really strongly believe in. So if people want to use our link, it's businessease.com slash pitch perfect pro. Now, Jenny, before we let you go, I want to ask you our rapid fire questions that we are going to use for every guest since this is the first interview we are airing. I'm so excited that it got to be you. That's so fun. Okay. Number one, coffee or tea? 
Coffee. Okay. What's your favorite book? It can be business or not business. Uh, the One Thing by Gary Patson. And that Gary. book. I am going to send you a picture of it. The focus question is the background on my computer. That I is, I, I hear you. I love that book. So what was the first thing you did to celebrate success in your business? What did you do for yourself besides um, quit your job? <laughs> yeah, and so true. Um, I think it was more just kind of, oh, this is such a hard question, Danielle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm so bad at doing things for myself that I don't even know if I can answer this. Um, okay, hold on. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put this on the calendar for you. The next time we talk, I want you to have an amazing plan for what you're going to do for yourself after your launch is done. Okay. I can do can that. Can we do that? <laughs> I'll be your accountability partner there. Cause I know your launch is going to be amazing. So we'll do something big to celebrate it afterwards. Do you have a word for the year? Oh, I do. It's faith. Amazing. I love it. Are you an Apple or a PC person? Apple. Now tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me over at JennyMelrose.com. I'd also love it if they joined in on my exclusive Facebook community, Influencer Entrepreneurs, which is connected to my podcast, Influencer Entrepreneurs. And we will leave links for those in the show notes. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being our very first interview that we are airing on this podcast. I am so grateful to know you. Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay, Jamie, tell us, didn't that interview make you want to go out and pitch brands to work with you? I would love that. All I can think about is what kind of brands do I want to work with? I will tell you that I have two frames of mind for that. One is the fashion in me, which has nothing to do with our business at all. I just want like rag and bone to come dress me head to toe and I just get to walk around that way. <laughs> but I don't think that's what you're talking about, is it? No, I think it's a great dream to have. You know me, I'm just like, how many bookstores could I find to sponsor all the Danielle? I know. I feel like each day should be brought to you by my favorite fashion label. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe, maybe it will. Dare to dream. <laughs> But everybody, we want to hear from you. Tell us who the dream brand you'd love to work with. And we want to hear from you in the Businesses HQ. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessease.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, The Businesses HQ. To join, visit businessease.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.